intro this week bitch it would be really weird if it wasn't me oh my god right though it would be like hey um our friend redford i don't know why it was redford (laughs) we only have one friend her name is maria i mean maria would happily do the intro for us (laughs) so hey guys welcome to donna and jackman take adulting a podcast where we really mainly talk about our dysfunction, and sometimes we talk about pop culture and our weird bodies and the things they produce. We definitely, yes, that's apt. That sounds like what this podcast is. We talk, I feel like we talk about pop culture quite a lot, and like we talk about like current events and like the state of the world often. Yeah. I hung up my mic so it's not rubbing on me, but I don't. I usually hold it, <laughs> so that's why I know. Donna sees this line. <laughs> yeah, so usually you'll be holding up your mic and you kind of have like the okay sign, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that Jacqueline's not a white nationalist, so this is fine. <laughs> oh my god! Didn't even think of that. Thank God this is a video. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I don't need that floating around on the internet. Uh, it's one of those things that people don't think about. We no. were talking about this probably a month ago when we were in Edmonton. And I was like, yeah, I never clicked. So uh, we live in Calgary, which hosted the 88 Olympics. So there's all sorts of businesses in town that are called something 88, like Fa 88. Um, there's an 88 brewery. Oh, my uh, God. You're blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize this until I had like a colleague from Toronto. He's like, so does Calgary have like a Nazi problem? And I was like, what? And he's like, all of these businesses are called 88. And 88 is a veiled white nationalist reference to Hitler because H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. So 88 is a coded way of saying Heil Hitler. Holy shit. Okay, I didn't know that. And two, what blew my mind was the fucking connecting the 88 to the 88 Olympics because I hadn't even thought that through. Shut the fuck up. What? I just, oh no, I never thought about it at all. Like, there was no thought. I was like, yeah, okay, there's a number. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that about it being a veiled Nazi symbol, though. What the shit? Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing with, with fascists, is they take everything that's simple and innocent and then they pervert it into a symbol for hate yes not wrong um i've learned a lot already and it's like we've been recording for three minutes sweet jesus what is this podcast even gonna be buckle up bitches what an educational day more you know as rainbows go across the screen but not a screen because it's only a recording um so (laughs) I have something much less illuminating to share. This morning while I was in the shower, I was imagining 
what my conversation with my boss next week is going to go like. And I was like imagining how much detail to go into about my um, knives in my brain. And then it got so stressful for me that I choked on my own saliva. (laughs) I'm in the shower and like I have a lower back problem where I think there might be like a herniated disc situation happening. So I have to be careful about how I hold myself. So sometimes when I have to sneeze or cough, I can fuck up my back real hard. So I had to like, there's a ledge in our shower. So I had to like hike my leg on the ledge so that I was like in a squatting-ish posture. And then I could like cough. And then, because the water is raining down on my back, which also is where my lungs are, it felt super weird and like I was drowning for a little bit. (laughs) So that's what that was my morning. (laughs) I am also one of those people who frequently chokes on my own saliva. Fuck, it's awful, hey? Before COVID, you could just have a coughing fit and you're fine. And then now, Mm -hmm. every time it happens, I'm like, it's not COVID. I choked on my own saliva. I'm sorry. I just don't know how to swallow. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know how to work my body. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth, though? Like, I choke on water. But yeah, like, I feel like there's something to be said about constantly choking on your own saliva. I do it too much. Why do we do that, Donna? Like, what mechanism is breaking that makes us do this? Are we just producing too much saliva? Uh, I probably do because I was the only one of our friends who could do the cinnamon challenge. Oh, my God. I forgot. (laughs) But I had also been drinking Sambuca all night. And I think Sambuca makes you, like, salivate a lot. It might. I don't know. I mean, there's probably some science there. Holy shit, I forgot about that. I mean, I was probably pretty hammered when we did that, but that's right. You were the only one of us who could do it. I thought it sounded so great because I love the taste of cinnamon. So I was like, yeah, I will. (laughs) It did not Um, turn out. It did not go well. Nobody died, though, because, like, I heard that that can actually cause bad things. Like, you can get it in your lungs or something. I don't know. I don't remember. There was an accident. Someone doing it. You can aspirate it, and then you get, like, pneumonia. It's almost like dry drowning. Yeah. So, kids, don't do the cinnamon challenge. I don't know if any, like, do people. Tide Pods, they'll be fine. No, they've moved away from the Tide Pods. There's something else now. Hey, do you remember the Kylie Jenner lip challenge? That was like my favorite. What the fuck? It was wild. I don't know what this is. And I don't know that I want. I'm going to find out, I guess. Yeah, Donna, you're going to find out. Okay, (laughs) so like people would get a cup. And they basically suction their mouth in the cup to make their lips like swollen and fat. And (laughs) then they take the cup out and their lips would be like giant. Like, I saw so many videos of, like, people's lips just falling out, like, hanging down because they were so swollen. It was god-awful. It was just like, why the fuck would you do this? This is the stupidest thing I've seen for a while. Not the stupidest thing I've seen, full stop. But for a while, it was like, what the fuck? Yeah, there was a period of time where that was the thing. I think somebody, and see, this is, as with all of these challenges, there's always something that, like, somebody does it and it goes horribly wrong. I think somebody broke their glass and got, like, a giant cut. 
through their lip? Uh, all of this sounds terrible. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you burst a bunch of blood vessels and like damage your body? I, I don't. don't... <laughs> like, quite possibly. I'm using this thing. It's a flower dose plumping lip and eye serum. I got it in a beauty box. Uh-huh. I don't think it does shit all other than moisturize. That's but I'm okay. like, what's with the extent of what I do? I don't like plumpers. I because they're just allergens that you put on your lips and then you have an, an reaction to them. Like that's how they work. Yeah, I was gonna ask, what the fuck is a plumper? Like, does it like legitimately is it an allergy reaction? Because like that's the only thing I can imagine that would cause that, aside from suction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesus. Now I'm just picturing the penis pump from Austin Powers. <laughs> yes, so similar but different, but kind of the same idea. Because why not? Um, <clears throat> yeah. So this podcast is off to like a grand old start. We're we're recording on Friday instead of a Sunday um, because of obligations during the weekend and we were able to do this on a Friday so it feels weird to me I feel like I haven't had a week's worth of things to like come here and talk to you about but yet I have so many things to share with you this week Donna should I do you want to is there anything that you want to talk about first before I dive in because I don't know how I'll rabbit hole I feel the same way like this week um this week was like sweet sweet for the earth everything was going on okay also like last night motherfucking elon musk announced the tesla bot do you know about this i woke up to a text from garov which was just a screenshot of the specs of this giant tesla bot which is a humanoid robot and like it's obviously during the presentation because there's a little corner in the corner is a little fucking photo of elon musk talking so i was like oh no this is too much to wake up to man (laughs) why did you send me this um, so he's making a robot. He hopes to have a prototype. For- shit. I'm sorry. Elon <laughs> well, yeah. Musk is a char- charlatan who uses his dad's apartheid emerald mine money to pretend that he's at all competent. He has never invented anything in his life. He just gloms on and provides money to the people who actually create shit. Anyway, finish your story. What is amazing about this is during the actual presentation, he did say, and I invite engineers to apply to help us make this. So they've announced a thing that they haven't built? Yeah, no, no, no. He wants to have a prototype to show the world next year. But it's like this humanoid robot that has like a screen for the face. And it's like they want, this is just like, it's basically, I had, a, I had an announcement for an idea that I have. <laughs> it's like, they want to make it so that humans can easily run away from it (laughs) that's in the spec okay i'm sorry elon musk is why you really shouldn't overpraise your children every time they make a poopy in the potty (gasps) and like (laughs) somewhere boston dynamics is probably just like raw right though and then this article i was reading was like tesla is not the first automation automotive company to create robots because there's As- Asimo. Is it Asimo? Did I make that up? Asimo? I think it's Asimo. Thank you. No, no. There's one that, isn't it? 
Asimo? I don't know Toyota more than Asimo. I'm just <laughs> Asimo. It's Asimo. It looks like the robot from Kimmy Schmidt. Well, yeah, because that's what it was based on. This is Honda. Honda made this robot. Asimo. Oh. Yeah. Weird. And Toyota has a robot too. Yeah, and I think Hyundai purchased Boston Dynamics. Shut up, did they? That's wild. I didn't know about that. I have a Hyundai, and uh, even though I'm a total soccer mom in it, I love my Hyundai, and I have been switched from being a Toyota family. All right. Huh. I have not thought that much about car companies. <laughs> Except when they make robots. Um, no, I've been... I've been like casually following the existence of Asimo for a long time. Um, I just, I, I can't. I just hearing it like ass Asimo. Well, and, and I'm imagining it's got junk in its throat. It doesn't, but it should. It can dance. Um, <laughs> no, but like I'm probably saying it wrong, but maybe I'm not. Um, <clears throat> there is a South Park episode where Cartman dressed up as a robot. And like there was a play on the name Asimo, and that's probably why I'm saying it this way. But maybe it is pronounced this way. I don't know. It's a Japanese. It's it was it's created in Japan. Um. Anyway, robots. That was a thing to wake up to this morning. That was. I am glad Garev didn't send that to me because if I woke up to Elon Musk's dumb fucking face, I would lose it. <laughs> fair, fair. I, you know, he sent it to me to troll me, right? Like, because I have had this historic fear of sentient robots. Like, I, I used to be really, 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 really freaked out by AI. I've softened a bit, but I was like, man should not play God. This is a terrifying idea. And like, I just was like, anytime anything about robots came in the news i'd get mad and i'd be like has no one seen the terminator and has no one seen the plethora of anime that is explores how poorly this could go wrong like ghost in the shell before it was fucked up by the americans um was was a very giant cautionary tale anyway i feel that we shouldn't do this <laughs> See, whereas I'm just like, I welcome our new robot overlords. I'm kind of like, look, we haven't done a great job. Like, why not? Go for it. Um, I also know that come the robot revolution, I'll probably be one of the first ones against the wall because I'm like, get me my robot vacuum. Get me my robot butler. I mean, I just talked shit about how we shouldn't create them. So like, it's on the internet now. And so I'm on, <laughs> I'm on the hit list too, I guess. Man, this will be I downloaded just... when they become sentient. It will become part of the neural net. Sorry. I, why do you do this to me? See, I kind of got, I kind of, I got away from like the very visceral fear it used to cause me, but I'm still not excited about it. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm like when Boston Dynamics brought out that robot dog, I was like, <laughs> I watched all of that in horror and watched them kick it. It was like, I don't know. This is how this is how we all get on the hit list, man. Like I would treat it with kindness. Maybe that's Redford. Can name my robot Redford. We can go for walks in the park. Like 
<laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've broken me. I read a lot of dystopian fiction as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I'm more afraid of stuff like Logan's Run or Soylent Green, where it's like a post-apocalyptic oh. scarcity society and people become a part of the machine. Whereas like dystopian robot futures, I'm not that afraid of. And maybe well, it's also like... Remember that terrible Haley Joel Osment movie where he's a robot and he wants to become a real boy? It's basically Pinocchio, but oh more. shit, I never watched that, um, but I do remember it existing. It just okay. So I watch a lot. I watched a lot of anime in the nineties that deals with this kind of shit. So like Galaxy Express three nine. Like, the whole idea is that people are, like, giving up their skin suits to become robots. And then the robots are like, no, we're cooler than skin suits. And then they, like, fucking go off and try to kill them. But in the sequel, and spoiler alerts, my friends, um, they have, all of the robots have these energy capsules that, like, it's just this renewable energy source that keeps them alive. Yeah, that's made of people. (laughs) it's a soylent green situation so when you say that i'm like but the two could be together and linked donna they don't have to be separate batteries like come on there's a lot of things wrong with the matrix but the entire idea that aliens would keep humans alive as batteries it's just like dumb we are not efficient we are not efficient animals (laughs) you don't call it you don't say that you're running on human power it's horsepower well because like just as a phrase, human power sounds perverse. Yeah, and I like it. <laughs> I also, so when we were in high school, my dad bought me a copy of uh, Age of Spiritual Machines by Ray Kurzweil. So he's mm. the guy who invented talk to text, and he's now one of the head Imagineers at Google. And uh, so Age of Spiritual Machines kind of goes through 10 year slices of the narrator and then the narrator talking to kind of like they start out talking to their I think it's like their Newton or their pad or whatever like the remember those things that predated iPhones that had a stylus tablet kind of it was like it was called like a Newton and it's it's one of the actually oh. the best things that Steve Jobs did is he realized that people wanted to see their electronics as like an extension of themselves and so he got rid of the stylus and that was a big part of like why the iPhone was such a big deal at the time is he mm-hmm. really as much again, like I can go on at length about how I feel about Steve Jobs, but uh, he was an excellent marketer and he precisely understood his audience. But um, yeah. anyway, this book goes through that. So you start there and then it goes through these 10 year slivers and he hasn't really been that wrong. Like he's a couple of years off on self-driving cars um the kind of like as the book proceeds by the end the narrator and the computer are almost one so like it is likely provided that we don't wind up a big fiery ball in the next 10 years or all die in the moon floods Um, yep (laughs) yeah i think it's likely that we are going to become more enmeshed and integrated with our technology and yeah really when you start talking about neural nets and kind of like 
brain plasticity? At what point is our consciousness really an, an essence of our bodies? And at what point can we be uploaded? And at what mm-hmm. point is the line between being yourself and then being a memory or an echo of yourself? So we took the nibblings a um, bunch of times uh, this past week while they've been in town. And um, we're driving back to our house and they're having a conversation in the back seat. They're like 11 and 13 about quantum computers are coming and we're all going to be uploaded. And I'm just like, no, this is, it's 11 a.m. I can't. I, I mean, that's definitely, that's something I think Michio Kaku has posited as well in um, Physics of the Future. And he has this other book that I used extensively in my honors thesis called, um, uh, it's not called Many Worlds in One, but it's something like that. And part of it, he talks about this physicist theory called Wigner's Friend. And it's the idea that consciousness can't exist without being observed. And so what is the tail end of this consciousness? Is it a god? Is it an entity at the universe? Mm-hmm. And it's like Schrodinger's cat. Like the cat knows whether or not it's alive or dead. But what is watching the cat? And this is this is the age old like fuck. As you talk about this, I love that the science part is you know looking at this because like what have we done on the spiritual end for the like this is a question that we've grappled with our entire lives. I know because I know you and I know the experiences that we've had. <laughs> on like the spiritual end of the spectrum as well is this thing it's this thing it's always this thing it's always this fucking question um i think it's going to be interesting as to how technology interacts with consciousness i i'm fucking fascinated by it i'm fucking terrified of ai um the only way I, have, I can speak to the question you asked is from a spiritual per- perspective, unfortunately. So I can't really speak to the science. This is, I was raised by atheists and like, you know, mm-hmm. dad kind of did the baseline church stuff for us as kids because he's like Pascal's wager. If you die, I don't want you to go to purgatory. But he was like, so you know, at the end, it's a big dirt nap. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when I started reading about physics and Kurt Steele is definitely the one that actually kicked me down this path. So well done, dad. You buy me your atheist book made me spiritual. Uh, <laughs> and, and physics and Wigner's friend is really what turned me and was like, oh, oh, like maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe like, yeah, there's a lot of things about spirituality you can't replicate in a lab. And mm-hmm. that's fine. Mm. <laughs> and uh I felt like there was something else I wanted to go down here, but uh, it's already slipped my mind because I'm old. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I, from like a consciousness perspective, like this just pure consciousness as like, that is what it is. Is it God? Is it just like consciousness having its own fucking experience so that it can experience things? <laughs> um, I, I have had enough, experiences where I as Jacqueline don't exist but I'm just pure fucking presence and because I've had these and it's not always in an altered state like I it's it's technically an altered state because it comes from like meditation or whatever or like just but um 
on substances, I've had this experience. And without substances, I've had this experience where everything else falls away and I'm just a presence having a fucking experience. And like, I know what I am, but there's no words for it. I can't believe this is the podcast that I'm talking about it because I also run which is on hiatus, but I run the way talks, which is for my clinic. This is not where I expect to have this conversation. I'm just going to be clear (laughs) because this is like, this is also a very, very personal thing for me is to talk about this thing that I experience on the fucking regular where I just am. I just am this fucking presence. And it's sometimes there's an awareness of like, I am within the Jacqueline experience. And that's actually kind of what I've been moving into over the last two years or so is that like, I am this presence that's within the Jacqueline experience, but like, it sounds fucking crazy to say this out loud. And I'm very aware of this thing, Um, but it just is. And it's just, I wish that I could qualify it a little bit better, but I keep having this experience of my own accord. Um, So yeah. Like, what is it? man (laughs) what is that thing it's there it's there it is for me it is inarguably there I think this is something that we've definitely hashed out extensively throughout our adulthood um Mm -hmm. because I've always been like there's something I don't know what it is and my kind of I don't and you know like Chris Rock in Dogma I don't necessarily have beliefs because I know beliefs are the things that get you in trouble I have ideas and my idea is <laughs> like there's a big consciousness out there I don't know what it is I don't think it cares about me I'm mm-hmm. definitely not into the idea of a god that's like you get a grammy you get an oscar you get genocided like that is yeah. inhospitable to me and I actually think it's when people thank god for their good luck I'm like that says a lot about how you think you are much more special than people who are currently in a war zone and when we were younger and I'm not necessarily going to reveal shit about you but you had very prescriptive very precise experiences that I was just kind of like I don't get it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now as we get older we're, I, we're still like we're just these big ambling bags of meat that we're a two we're not even an apex predator like we are very low on the food chain but thanks to these big brains we have rocketed to the top and Mm -hmm. these big brains are a curse and a blessing everybody Mm -hmm. has a different experience everybody's viewing the world through their own lens and you like you always have that experience as a child like that solipsistic I'm the only person who exists how do I know anyone else exists yep Um, existential existential crisis and Mm -hmm. uh I feel like chilling about it is the best way mm. because I'm not going to change anybody's mind. And, no, absolutely. And one thing, like I, I grew up again, like I grew up in a very atheist household, but my dad's extended family is quite Catholic. And mm. one of the things I kind of like about Catholicism is the idea that you have to go through a conduit to actually talk to God. And mm. to me, that means a, that makes more sense to me because I'm like, how can I, this, you know, big meat bag, really talk to divinity. And it's also why I was that weird ass kid who loved the book of Job, because I was like, this makes sense. Like, at the, it's God and Satan have a bet. 
Job's life gets progressively worse. And when he's like, God, why'd you let this happen? God basically waterboards his divinity. And it's like, this is what I deal with every day, bitch. I don't care. Mm, yeah. I'm going to hell if there is one after that story. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how to even build upon it because to explain where I'm coming from is very, very, very difficult because it's very experiential. I think um, it's it's interesting because the words mean different things to different people, right? Because when you say divinity, I don't think almighty God. I just think that thing that is. And I don't think that it necessarily is God in the way that like Western conceptualized God exists. Um, but I think that we are it. I really do. I think that we are it. And we just don't know at this point. And we don't have necessarily access to that layer of the thing that we already are um but that yeah i yeah it's who the fuck knows who the fuck knows man but consciousness question mark question mark i just said absolutely nothing and i'm fully aware of that <laughs> this was definitely not the podcast i was expecting i was expecting me too to go off a weird deep end not necessarily into this <laughs> I like I had weird deep ends planned, but like I did not need to say out loud today. Yeah, no, I've just experienced being a fucking presence. And <laughs> because even saying those words, like anyone listening, that means a myriad of different things. And nobody will know what I'm actually meaning because they haven't experienced that thing that I'm talking about. Right. They've maybe experienced an equivalent in their own way. But hearing that, you just, you filter it through your own consciousness, right? And so when I say it, I mean a certain thing. But because no one has access to my experience, except me, they won't know actually what I'm saying. They'll interpret it through their own lens. And like, I might be saying something that is very true for them as well. But it's not the same truth because we are having separate fucking experiences. So it feels different regardless because the meat suit is is different and the conscious processing is different because we're separate or at least the quote unquote illusion of separateness. And so it is different. And so I can't actually translate my experience in any way. And this is something I've had to grapple with over the last five years for fuck's sake because and why am I saying this out loud on this podcast? I went through a period where there was like a lot of channeling of information um, happening and we'd have our little paranormal society come and sit with me and we just talk and I just have shit come through. And it became very, very clear to me very, very quickly that there is no translation that will ever land. And so it's really just be in the experience. That's the fucking point. If there's a fucking point to life, it's just be in it, I think. But that's it. Well, podcast done. We can go home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, hey, so 
I went on a re- really weird, we're just going to change the subject because I don't think we can speak to consciousness with anything beyond that, unless you've got something, Donna. No, I actually wanted to talk about um, businesses starting to mandate vaccines. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. I have thoughts too, please. So on the one hand, I'm very pro-vaccine because, duh. Um, it, mm-hmm. COVID at this point is going to become endemic and getting back, like we're all going to get it at some point being vaccinated. It's the difference between having a cold for two days and being in the hospital on a ventilator. Yeah. But it was particularly like, I, I'm, I'm not that fussed about businesses that are requiring it for their employees. Cause I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like you don't need the liability. And especially with the occupational health and safety act changes that are coming in Alberta, which are around preserving the scene in the event of like workplace illness. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense for businesses to mandate this. Mm -hmm. uh, Then Live Nation announced that in Canada, proof of vaccine or tests will be required at all events. And again, I'm like, that's good. And then I kind of started thinking about it further because I read this article years and years ago about kind of these insular communities in Australia where children have to be vaccinated to go to school they refuse to do so. So these kids grow up with no education in kind of like these, you know, ramshackle hillside communities. And the more I kind of was pondering by, the more I was pondering Live Nation, I mean, the five minutes I took to read the article, I'm like, this is a perfect tool for an abuser. So if you are an abusive person, you get vaxxed. You can go do everything. Your kids aren't vaxxed. They can't do anything. Your spouse isn't vaxxed. They can't do anything. So I'm I'm kind of like, this is now another kind of, the fallout from COVID is going to be huge. And I'm like, there yeah. is already a crisis of, particularly in the States, of people who homeschool because they don't yeah. want their kids to see mandated reporters. And this to me, is like it's going to add another layer of complexity, another layer of control for people yeah. who are abusive to maintain their control over their families. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, shit, Donna, I hadn't even considered that. And then it's just like, well, what what is the line between personal autonomy and the state? And, I, and mm-hmm. I'm one of those people, I'm like, yeah, the state has no business in the bedroom, provided everybody in that bedroom wants to be there. And I really struggle with the idea of, of children and people who, like, domestic abuse skyrocketed during COVID. Oh, yeah. And I just wonder about these people who have had utter control over their families for a year and a half who aren't going to want to let go of that. Fuck. Fuck. I had not considered this angle, and it is absolutely terrifying. And, and so I, I kind of, like, there's an analog for this. There's this woman named Alicia Pennington, who her birth name is Faith Pennington. Mm-hmm. Her, her parents are kind of like off the grid evangelicals in Texas or Georgia. I can't recall the state. But mm-hmm. 2015, 2016, she had to come out and say, like, get help from the state because her parents had never got her a birth certificate. So when she finally escaped her parents, she couldn't prove she existed. And I can't imagine this is the only experience, like the only person out there experiencing this. And of course, um, you guys know I am obsessed with evangelical Christians. So this is not an uncommon story. 
holy shit. I don't know that I have anything to add other than fucking Christ. I had not considered this. And now that's, I'm going to be thinking about it a lot. Um, yeah, it seems, it seems like a good idea. And yet it, it, the angles, there's so many nuances that unfortunately just get lost in the shuffle that like needs to be considered. And I think that's that's probably the truth with many things about how our society runs. Okay, like the other thing I was reading today was about Josh Duggar, which I really shouldn't have read because it was fucking awful. It was like mm. a, talking about the evidence in his case. Um, but you look at those families. So the Duggars are somewhat lucky because they had the show. They had like they've made a substantial income off the show, which is now probably all going to lawyers. But they are part of a whole group of people, many of whom currently live in poverty, and then they're educating their kids at home. And they have this whole philosophy that, like, you have to be debt free, so you can't really go get an education. And when you have somebody who maybe has a high school education educating their kids and educating anywhere from, like, a five-year-old up to a teen, yeah. they're not getting some education. Um, there's a good book that we read in book club which i think i am now no longer a part of even though i'm on the whatsapp uh called uh-huh. educate it's another woman who grew up in kind of this sunday off the grid family and she wound up going to oxford but she had to go through hell to do it Oy. yeah and then it's now me just telling you horrifying things while you stare in grim fascination <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> um i i don't have anything to add I'm just you know uneasy and upset like we know how society treats marginalized groups right and so this is people who have been so deeply abused by their parents that they are under their control like of course we're not going to make allotments for that because why why would we it's scary I don't know what the solution is I think it's a reckoning that's going to come in the next five, 10 years. Like there's pockets, like there are not a ton of people, maybe like a couple hundred thousand of them, but mm-hmm. it's still a, a, it's going to be an epidemic of people who just can't care for themselves and who will bite off their own nose to spite their face because they don't want to be one of those bums on welfare, but it's also just like, you can't keep popping out kids and starving them. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Um, I'm. Mm-hmm. This week was really an intersection of all of my interests in like zoonotic diseases, evangelical Christians, and death cults. No shit. Fuck. <laughs> Congratulations for this intersection, I guess, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you know that on TikTok there's a huge controversy right now over an account called John's Bones? No. Is he an archaeologist? Oh God, no. If only it was that simple. This is a man who runs a company that is a reseller of bones, human bones. And um, probably 
illegally like the can't say illegally but like it the possession suspect of which, origin yeah prospect like suspect origin and also like he in a lot of his tiktoks he's like why do i have this wall of spines behind me like it's terrifying um someone was like but why do you have all these bones and his answer was like it's not illegal in the state to have bones in this that, way yeah that, that should be true. your answer yeah but like come on um but so he's obtained these he claims from like medical resellers but he had on his website a sami skull an indigenous sami skull for sale for thousands of dollars it's since been taken down but like so there's an uproar on the tiktok about this man and his selling of bones and he like the ethic the ethical nature of it and it's just it's wild it's wild i went on a rabbit hole so it's not illegal last time we were in seattle i was actually surprised because we were at the pier and I don't think they had it for sale here, but they did have like an oddity section. It was just a tourist shop. They had an oddity section in the back where they did have human remains on display. Mm-hmm. And then we were in another store kind of, I um, can't remember what the what it's called. It's like a strange little community that's like half warehouses, half homes, and like has a bunch of breweries. And they also, they just had a human skull that I could buy for a thousand dollars. And I was like, are you kidding me? And like, this is a big issue going back to you know da vinci's time um Mm -hmm. we didn't have a lot like most abrahamic religions most all three of them um (laughs) want you to keep the body intact after death and like dissection was just not really a thing for a Mm -hmm. lot of western history until da vinci and and subsequent after that um so procuring bodies has always been an issue and frequently what they would do is that if you were a criminal you would then be donated for dissection or sold for dissection mm. uh there was there's this very famous case called Birkin Hare, and i'm sure like it was a skipping rhyme when we were kids and they had they ran a boarding house and they would kill their tenants rob them and then sell the bodies mm. and uh down the clothes and up the stair, round and round with broken hair, books, your hair is a thief, knocks his man, he buys the beef. How many b- pounds did he buy? You keep skipping until you stumble. Maybe I oh. just went to a weird elementary school. I never <laughs> heard that. What? I think you maybe I've heard it because you've said it to me before. It sounds vaguely familiar, but it was not a part of my childhood. Okay. We, yeah, we were weird ass kids. Uh, <laughs> but like, this has always been a thing. And Procurement and trade of medical specimens is coming under fire because frequently now when uh, universities or medical schools are cleaning out these anatomical skeletons, quite a few of them show characteristics of being black. And it's highly likely that they were slaves or subjugated in some manner. And it's especially upsetting because there are people who, there's full child skeletons out there. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of being discussed now about whether or not it's moral and needed to have these type of human skeletons, because we can create this. We we have 
every technology in the world to, to replicate it. And these were people at some point. These people had someone who loved them. They had people who probably missed them and would have liked to have laid them to rest. Yes, yes. Um, and, and to that point, um, good old John says that uh, many of his skulls and skeletons have been um, bought from places like Russia, China, and India. And what happens there, of course, is that the poorest caste have to, like, and from what I understand in India, this happens, um, where they sell the remains of their loved one so that they can, like, have money. And so it becomes, you know, it's, it's the poor are preyed upon in this way. And so well, this ethics... was the controversy about the body worlds exhibit. So there was Oof. evidence that quite a few of the cadavers used in body world were like Chinese prisoners. Yeah. And, and this is the thing, like I I love morbid stuff. I, I have a lot of skull decorations and there's skull stuff in my house. None of it is legit. It's no ob- it's very all obviously all made out of glass or metal. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that's fine. Like human skulls are cool. That's totally interesting to look at. And I, you know, I really had, I had an intense archeology span phase and I'm really mad that as an adult, I learned I could have actually been an archeologist and made money at it. Um, yeah, no shit. Eh? Oh. But like we, as a society need to show respect. And For the day, I am yes. of course, a big fan of things like donating your body to science mm-hmm. and respect of, of bodies. And, and of course, we're using cadavers for medical school. Like we, we just have no way around it at this point. Mm-hmm. But that isn't within a respectful setting. It's within a controlled setting. Like the mm-hmm. idea of some asshole picking up an indigenous person's skull and flapping it around on TikTok is repulsive. Right. Yeah. And so there's been this whole, it's, it, his website listed a team of people um, that were part of the company, John's Bones. Um, and most of them were all just like designers, designers. And so this website was like beautifully done. Um, but like all of their backgrounds are like designers. Like he is not an osteopath. The only one who is an osteopath only went by their first name on the website and her photo was blurred because she did not want to be identified as being part of this team. And so then all of a sudden, the only staff person on the website became John as this controversy has built. So they're I like, they probably possibly all quit and didn't want to be associated with them with it anymore. Who knows what the fuck is going on, but shit is hitting the fan. Um, and like I said, was selling a Sami skull, which absolutely, and the, the website claims, oh, it was ethically sourced or whatever, but that's absolutely untrue. Absolutely There's no untrue. Ethics in the trade of human body part. Absolutely. There's no ethics. No, but like it's all, oh, all of this is ethically sourced, is like the talk track. Um, it's not ethically sourced if you're just going to sell it to some edgelord who's going to put it on his Twitch stream to be fun. Like, yeah. Yeah, who, who who are the people buying these? Because that's the, the good question. Medical schools have 
a identified pipeline. They understand where these cadavers are coming from. Frequently, yes. they are donated. Like he claims grave that, Yeah, it absolutely is, and especially in the Sammy Skull case, like there are documented cases of that happening, and so somehow he obtained it from somewhere. But that skull was absolutely from a grave robbing situation. What, uh, there's no other way that that could have been obtained. Um, and so, it, he, yeah, there's this whole talk track about ethically sourced. Um, he claims that he's selling to med- like to the medical industry and like it's a, but who, this website and all of it, all everything about it is super fucking sketch and just reeks of like, hello, I am here for private collectors because there's no, you can go onto the website and he doesn't say like, there's no like delineation of like, you have to prove your credentials that you work for like a medical. No. And like you said, though, the medical industry has pipelines for this type of thing. They don't go to the rando who has this like glistening, like this kitschy website that's yeah, all like picturing him opening his trench coat and he's like you want a femur that's his house dude on tiktok and his cat is hanging out in the bones room and he's got several rooms filled with bones there's one that is just like a wall of spines like i shit you not it's wild i would haunt the fuck out of him but i would right? be like that ghost who just kind of like rocks to drop a water on him in the night <laughs> Just to fuck with him. Just like, yeah, just I'm not gonna, annoying like, enough. I'm not going to go boo. I'm not going to do anything that he can actually like monetize on TikTok. I would be that ghost who's just like, here's a Lego by your bed. Totally. Totally. Step on this Lego <laughs> when you get out of your bed at night. <laughs> I stepped on the like the bald end of an extension cord on third Wednesday and my foot still hurts. So, I, yeah. But I just, like, this whole thing it's edgelords selling to other edgelords it is i really feel for the people who have been put into the position where they had to sell their loved one's body to survive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's it's still not ethically sourced just because someone made because you gave someone probably an absolutely insulting amount of money when you really look at what he's going to be making off of these yeah and i mean yeah it's (sighs) <sighs> I, I yeah and again it's the most marginalized groups that get targeted right and mm-hmm. are put in a position where this is if you the folks that are still alive want to be able to keep living you have to do something that is heinous so that you can survive and my heart just fucking breaks isn't that the system though? Like that it is the fucking what... system, baby. Yeah. Like think about it, even in work. Like I'm very lucky with where I am. I was considering working for a coal company because of the cash involved. Yeah. And uh and now that I think about it and I look back, I'm like, no, there, like there's no way you could have crawled into bed every night and felt good about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so that was my TikTok rabbit hole was like, holy shit, this is going down and it's like flaring the fuck up. Um, and it's like the much more organized version of the bone scandal that happened on Tumblr about 10 years ago. Do you know about I, this? No, I just remember there was like this kind of apocryphal bit, like short video floating around the internet, probably like early 2000s in the prime of something awful times uh-huh. and uh it was like these three guys who basically were trying they were trying to be like mercenary grave robbers and there was like a, a film like it was a, a vhs tape oh. that had been transferred to, to digital and it what in a room with with bones and they claimed they had grave robbed I, I, why do i feel like i'm making this up I don't think you're making it up. It's just not what I, it's not the thing that I was going to talk about. Um, but like, whoa, I didn't, I don't know what this is. I don't think you're making it up. It's one of those kind of like mystery. Yeah. Like just one of those mystery videos that popped up every once in a while. And then I'm sure I could find it if I, I don't really want to Google this. I don't want Yeah, to no, that's fine. Don't, that's fine. It's fine. Don't feel, don't feel the need. Um, the Tumblr controversy though comes from a uh witch that lived in i want to say new orleans um and had a bunch of bones was always going foraging for bones and had a bunch of bones on tumblr and like would uh sell them for spells and shit and it comes out of the woodwork that this person was going to old graveyards and taking the bones that would wash up. Yeah, that's yeah. a huge issue in New Orleans. Like, so uh, there's quite a few mausoleums that basically you get interred until you decompose and then they will take the bones and kind of like put them into a smaller container. Yeah. And yeah, like after Katrina, tons of graveyards were washed away they were finding skeletons and coffins everywhere yep so this person would go foraging for bones and then sell them on the internet and like in the name of like here's some bones for your fucking spell work which like any self-respecting witch is not going to purchase like holy shit talk about unethically sourced and eventually the cops got called and the house was raided um, the bones were taken. Um, this person, I think, got jail time. Um, and their roommates got slammed for marijuana they found in the house. Like, I'd be so pissed it was wild. if I got weed charges because my roommate was grave robbing. Right? Like, holy fuck. Um, I feel like the police should have been like, I get it. I see why you need to chill. <laughs> God, no shit, eh? Jesus Christ, though. But yeah, there was a hole. It, like, and it was like a drawn out saga on tumblr but this is like the 2.0 version of that and everybody on tiktok is talking about how like we've warned you all of us who used to be on tumblr have warned you that tiktok is the exact same thing and history is repeating itself but it's it's a much sleekier version of the the random witch that used to go like foraging for bones like it's a much it's a much more corporate operation and it's terrifying i like 
I, when I'm hiking, I do really enjoy finding bones because you, you're, I've only ever once found like a recently dead animal that had died on its own and was still mm-hmm. intact. Yeah. Um, but usually you'll be walking and be like, oh, coyotes being through here. And you're like, oh, squirrel bones or whatever. And it's kind of, yeah. I yeah. never think to pick them up and bring them with me. No, even, that's like, not a thing. At, yeah. Like I was at site a few weeks ago and there, as I, I think I've talked about this a bit, like it, it's next to a feedlot and there are cow bones scattered everywhere. Yeah. And it, it's kind of neat. Like I'm, I was taking photos of a vertebrae and my project manager's like, you can take it with you. And I'm like, I'm not going to be the weirdo who's just scooping up cow spines and popping them in my pockets. Totally. That feels weird. But like, and I, ah, yeah, I think there's a, there is an ethics debate within that too, just because they're not human bones. Should we be taking them? I'm less fussed about that. Um, you know, I eat meat. So can yeah. I really be like, oh, well, you know, I have to respect this crow. It right. wants to stay here. For sure. For sure. But I mean, there's there's a level of like, well, where's the line? Um, I like I and I don't know where the line is. So I'm just just posing the question. Where is the line? Um, but yeah. So. That's the thing. That was not the TikTok controversy I was expecting. I have another one that's like also god awful. And so yeah. am I gonna get really excited and get to play amateur archaeologist? No, no. It's a throwback to our conversation um about theater spaces being toxic. So someone on TikTok uh revealed recently that they were groomed by Broadway star Alice Ripley of um, so Alice Ripley is the actor that was in Next to Normal, which is the musical about um, bipolar disorder. Uh, yeah, so that's blowing up too. And lots of people are coming out of the woodwork and saying, yeah, she groomed me too. And it's all, it, the majority of the people were teenage girls, queer teenage girls. And so it's just, it's been a wild ride with that as well. And I felt like that was kind of a throwback to our discussion about like shit that Rebecca Kane had been talking about and abusive people in theater. Now, apparently Alice Ripley, people would friend her on Facebook um, back during the height of next to normal. And um, like teenage teenagers who loved her work and she'd friend them back and initiate conversations and like this girl was very very close to her was invited backstage multiple times like just grooming grooming it's I don't think that I need to go into much detail but it's like oh fuck this is Mm -hmm. this is this is a thing that just came out of the woodworks and it's in circles that I obviously pay attention to so yeah it's been a big week it's been a big week for us both. <laughs> I did. And again, I don't, oh, I don't know. We've, we actually haven't been too much of a bummer this episode. Like we've talked about some heavy stuff, but it hasn't yeah. been like soul crushing. Now yeah. I'm going to crush your soul. Oh, fuck. Oh, good, Donna. Thank you. <laughs> Afghanistan. Um, mm-hmm. Again, like we're just, I don't think anybody expected to fall the way it did. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 
thinking they didn't learn shit from Vietnam. I am glad that they have made the evacuation a little better than like hanging onto the last helicopter out of Saigon. But uh, I, on Wednesday, I saw this article about this woman in Oklahoma City who got 10 of the girls from the Afghan robotics team out. And I'm going to start crying now. This is my week to cry on the, the podcast. As soon as I read that, I just burst into tears because I was, I've, I'm terrified for everybody in mm-hmm. Afghanistan right now. The Taliban is not going to keep their promises. No. And the fact that these young women had the opportunity they had and they've worked so hard and they're, they've, they're so smart and I'm just so happy they've got out. And it's still like they're in Qatar. And the sheer fact that these women have escaped from Afghanistan to Qatar and we are relieved for them is terrifying. And I'm terrified for their families and for everybody they've left behind. Mm-hmm. And I really don't know. Like, I'm, I'm not a military strategist. I can't solve Afghanistan. And I think at this point, nobody can. And it's really strange mm-hmm. when you think about it. Like, my mom talks about traveling through Afghanistan in the 70s. And it was a totally different time. Yeah. And they wonder... You, yeah, like you, you sliding doors it, and you're just like, what? What would have happened if, if the Iran? I think it was the Iranian Revolution that kind of kicked this off. But again, it's the Cold War. The U.S. is funding one side, Russia, or the USSR is funding the other, and then it's the people, the people who are the marginalized, the people who are left behind, who are having to deal with the fallout. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know what to talk about. I just, I, I will send you that article again and we can yeah. put in the, the notes because it, it is a little piece of feeling like there's, there's some people in the world who can get shit done. And again, yeah. we talk about the system a lot. Mm-hmm. We are in a place where I'm just like, I can't do shit about this. I can donate some money to the Red Cross, but they're not going to have boots on the ground. There's not going to be any foreign boots on the ground anymore there. And I remember like, oh, probably in the 90s, I guess, when the Taliban was or right when they took control. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have just taken. I actually have no idea when the Taliban took control or if there's been multiple kind of phases in Afghanistan. But uh, I would always like feel my mom's cosmos and glamour and whatever. Like she had friends who gave her magazines and I don't think she ever read them. And let's face it. The only people who want to read those magazines are little girls. Yes, that's true. That's <laughs> they so make true. you feel grown up and glamorous. But I read this like interview, and I want to say Cosmo, with a woman who had escaped from Afghanistan. And she was like a doctor before the Taliban came in. And then she's like, I had to like lie in the boot of a car covered in a burqa to get out. And thinking at that time, like this was prior to 9-11 and thinking about it. And then 9-11 happened. I thought about that woman and I thought, well, maybe. Maybe when we go into Afghanistan, this will be fixed. And now, of course, I'm just like, nope. Here we are. No. Here we are, and nothing's changed. Except people are dead. Yeah. Which is just horrific. Yeah. So I'm trying to ration my reading of it because I feel so helpless that... I, it's bad for my mental health to read about it, even though I know I should be informed. It's overwhelming. Um, I, 
I'm not going to lie. I, there are certain things that I have to stay away from. And that is part of it because it is so overwhelming. And for me to function in the world, I have to limit news intake like that because it is so fucking hard. Yeah. I'm sure it's something that I will probably revisit as we keep talking every week, but yeah. um, I don't want to live in interesting times anymore. I want to live in boring times that they never study. Yeah. I don't think those exist. (laughs) (laughs) Especially with where we are in the acceleration of late stage capitalism and just the state of the world. I don't think it's possible. So high five. We were born at during interesting times yeah sip my coffee um yeah no it's I think that that's just an element of our lives that we need to just I don't know if it's be okay with but it's like this is this is it this is it it's like this I guess we can change the subject slightly and wrap it back around to the robotics we were talking about at the beginning. Um, So I have a lot of faith and trust in technology at some point improving our future. And Mm -hmm. I am not as afraid of AI as you are because I'm just Mm -hmm. kind of like, end of the day, you can turn it off. End of the day, there's a way to stop it. And uh, can you though? Will they get past that though? Possibly. Maybe we'll all wind up gray goo after getting eaten by the Newton machines. Like, who knows? But <laughs> uh, I've never read this in the 90s, or maybe we maybe talked about it in social studies, but Fran- Francis Fukuyama mm-hmm. wrote Francis Fukuyama? I think it's Francis Fukuyama. Um, he wrote this kind of like book called End of History. And the premise was with the USSR gone and no more kind of Cold War to global powers. We were in this point of prosperity and peace and there was nowhere to go but up. Like war was done and Mm -hmm. countries with McDonald's don't go to war with countries with McDonald's. Like capitalism will save us all. Mm 9-11 happened and he ate crow. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is like the Balkans also happened. So he ate crow earlier than that. Um, and then he wrote this other book called our post-human future. And that is actually where we get into like genetic engineering. And that is to me much more terrifying than any type of integration of technology into our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. his thesis is basically once you can start genetic engineering and once it's, so there's two types of genetic engineering, there's base, baseline, basal. There's somatic and something else. So somatic is kind of like when you actually change the genes and they can be passed along to the next generation. And then there's another type where like, say someone has some sort of genetic disease, you can modify or give them injections, but um, they wouldn't pass it along to their children. Mm-hmm. And once you start somatic engineering, once people can buy their kids, you are going to create a society where there are people who are inherently born to run society. And then there are people who are going to be born with figurative saddles on their backs. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that 1000%. 
It's terrifying. And it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the premise of Brave New World, where you've got like alphas, mm-hmm. betas, epsilons, and uh, the alphas are like beautiful, hyper beautiful, hypersexual. And the entire premise is there's this guy they call a savage, except he's just like a random ass dude. Mm-hmm. And he's like a random ass normal human who gets brought into the society. It doesn't work out well for him. Uh-huh. Um and and yeah, like this is to me, I am much more terrified of genetic engineering because I'm like, once you you can't put that genie back in the bottle. Once it's in the gene pool, it's in the gene pool. Absolutely. That's my terror. <laughs> Understandably though. Like that is fucking terrifying and valid. I don't know. Okay, but you were trying to be hopeful. I'm hopeful. <laughs> the turn we've taken. I'm hopeful, actually, from a technology perspective, because I think going back to Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. we as a society have come to view technology so much as an extension of our bodies that the leap to integrating that technology into our bodies is not that difficult. And even like when I was running Protospace, there were yeah. people there who would try to kind of, um, like they'd put RFID chips under their fingers and stuff so that they were already kind of cyborging themselves. And it's right. called biohacking. Yes, it is. And I see that being a lot more acceptable to society than people saying, okay, yeah, for X number of dollars, you can have a six foot three blue eyed child who plays the piano. Yeah. I, okay. So let's talk about biohacking. Um, is it a way to cheat death? Because I've, I, I've heard a lot about, and I don't remember where the fuck I was listening to this on some podcast, obviously, uh, but I don't remember the source. So please forgive me. But I've the conversation I was listening to was kind of about how these are like, the people who are really, really invested in the biohacking are like technocrats who have lots of dough, who just want to live forever. Oh yeah, I think it's uh, Bill Joy, like the Sun Microsystems guy, is definitely into it. Yeah. Um, I there's a lot of people who want to cheat death. Like there's people who say the first person who's going to live to 150 has already been born, and I do trust that we are going to have things like synthetic organs or that type of technology and it will be acceptable like i i honestly think anything that doesn't enter the gene pool i'm not fussed about for me it's the idea of of we modify a gene and something goes wrong but it's already out there and it becomes endemic in later generations yeah okay yeah i see what you were saying and there's an, I don't want to live forever. I, um, no, it, it, yeah, it's like having a slice of cake is great. Having to sit there and eat a fucking mountain of cake, being drowning in cake, nothing but cake. That's all there is. Sounds terrible. You could roll in it. I could, I could. And at the end, there'd still be more cake. <laughs> I don't know why I'm just like roll around in cake. This is where my brain goes with this. You should just roll around a cake. It'll be amazing. Mm. I want to roll around a cake, Donna. There's an Arthur C. Clarke short story that kind of takes this premise. And 
it does like it's a society where everybody lives forever but because of that people can't have kids and right there's a whole lot of joy that is taken out because part of the magic of life is you have your one wild and free magical life and then it's done and who knows what awaits after everybody has a different idea but the idea is is this is it and even if you are reincarnated it's still this is it different. in this body it's different this time yeah. mm-hmm. um fuck we're getting so existential today <laughs> what is this um <laughs> Okay. Yes. I agree with that entirely. Like you can't part of being alive is the fact that it's finite, right? Like that's, or at least as, as a human being with the conscious awareness of that we do have, um, because I don't think I do, do wolves (laughs) have this, sense of it being finite i don't think so but the fact that we can Inside contemplate you with two wolves Jacqueline. <laughs> oh no you didn't which one am i gonna feed <laughs> um i think yeah it's like because we can contemplate the nature of our existence we are very aware that it's finite and uh I don't know the point I was trying to make beyond that other than like the awareness of the finite really probably does give life meaning mm-hmm. because without that the fi- without a timestamp being on it I don't yeah what do you do you end up just doing everything and then what's the point like fucking even that show that has Veronica Mars on it and Ted Danson good life Thank you. <laughs> I can't remember. Kristen, what is her name? Kristen Bell. Thank you. I knew it wasn't wig and I was like, there's too many Kristens. Um, that like, spoiler alert, complete fucking spoiler alert. Um, so if you haven't watched The Good Place and you really want to see it, I, I don't listen to this now because I'm going to talk about the final episode in this series. They they go to the actual good place and they have, they discover that everybody's like just miserable because all they have is like parties and shit all the time. And like, what do you do? You just exist. Your consciousness persists. And um, then eventually they make it an option to just be able to stop existing. And so once you have done everything that you wanted to do in the afterlife, you have this choice to walk through this door that basically eats you out of existence. And there's like an emotional component to it and it's et cetera. And these characters that you've grown to love. And it's actually like, it's, it's a bit of a, an emotional tearjerker. They did a good job. Um, But yeah, it, it kind of explores the fact that like, fuck, <laughs> infinite <laughs> is not as good as you think it is, friends. Yeah, and I mean, we are all still, all of this entertainment, you're still filtering it through your meat bag. Yeah. And I would be pretty disappointed if there was an afterlife and I just was like, still this. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, 
and maybe okay going back to that consciousness thing that we're talking about um maybe like this particular experience can only be finite because there's not there's a there's just so much you can do within it right but like there are iterations of an existence that seems more fitting to be infinite but like we can't conceptualize of that because we are finite meat bags finite yeah and then going back, like so your your kids talking about quantum computing and quantum physics yeah. there's also that theory of uh multiverses and that mm-hmm. they're always spinning off so there there could be infinite versions of yourself out there yes. and this is a crazy Donna thing that I don't even know I might, I've ever told you, but every time I have an accident or I nearly have an accident, like I slip in the shower, but I catch myself. I'm like some other Donna just died. Yeah. You've told me and, this. Okay. Yeah. And so at this point I'm like, I like Donnie Darko have been following my same soul path all throughout this existence. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I'm not the dead Donna. I'm the strongest Donna. Yep. Yep. No, I don't, I don't disagree with, like, see, and I also think about multiverses a lot. <laughs> Maybe not as much as you, but certainly um, I think that there are other iterations of my experience, but I have, I have a theory. I have a personal theory about, like, them coalescing somehow and there being ways that the system, like, branches out but also coalesces but like we can't get into that because I have no way to put this into words that don't make me sound like a crazy person right now so um a little bit of a tangent and it connects back to TikTok and it's unfounded scientifically and it's a lot of kids and their imaginations but there's a lot of like talk about timeline jumping on the internet and I've seen like um tutorials on how to do it but like it it now has been co-opted and you can timeline jump into a version of yourself that's in the harry potter universe which seems a little bit ridiculous and wild um but it started out as like you can just go to Wait. like yes please harry potter universe is in the midst of a genocide like that's the entire point of those books yes <laughs> but also though donna magic and so that's why people want to go to there even though there's a genocide happening (laughs) i wish you could see her face listening audience i'm thinking of this absolutely terrible michael Crichton book called timeline and Uh i forgive me because i'm probably not remembering all the details but i feel like they discover a time portal and it's also a fax machine but it only takes you to like this village in england in like 1188 and then the lead characters go there with their guide and the guide immediately gets decapitated and then they're just stuck there oh interesting i i feel like i've touched on some of the points i after i graduated university i didn't want to read things that were smart so I went to a used bookstore and I bought a box of Michael Crichton books for like five (laughs) (laughs) timeline stuck out in my memory because of how dumb it was and then there's this other one called swarm where um you know guys if you don't want me to spoiler Michael Crichton books for you why are you listening to this podcast that's a good question Uh, 
<laughs> it's this guy whose like wife works for a nanotech company and she starts acting increasingly weird and then at the end it turns out that she's just made of bees what wait what what bees like literal like nanobot bees. bees that coalesce to form her and i can't remember if the wife was like being kept alive inside the facility or was already dead michael oh, Crichton wow. was so dumb <laughs> whoa no shit um okay as a cat as like an aside i just want you to know because i know that you'll laugh at this every time you say michael Crichton, i am aware that they are different people but i just envisioned michael keaton that's nice <laughs> wanted you to know that I keep having to be like no not Batman (laughs) (laughs) different guy brain I bet Michael Keaton is a better author and the thing is is like you can tell Michael Crichton he's able to string a plot together quite well and you can tell he just delighted in doing the research I think he actually was like a medical doctor or something yeah but uh he's kind of like Dan Brown like you Dan Brown's not the best author but he's really good at stitching research. a plot together and he loves doing the, the theological research although right. he also has another book i've read by him where at the end like the climax of the book is the protagonist fighting on a catwalk above a shark tank and they're oh, like super smart sharks i don't think they're laser sharks but they're like super smart sharks laser sharks <laughs> 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 I wish they were laser sharks. What the shit? Okay. Maybe we should have a podcast where it's just Donna talks about shitty books she's read and doesn't totally remember them. I love this. I mean, it can just be like a segment every once in a while. It is beautiful. <laughs> um, I want them to be laser sharks. Uh, what What was that book about? Do you know? Why did they end up in, above the shark tank? want to say it was called Deception Point. So there's two Dan Brown books that came out before The Da Vinci Code. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if one of them was set at Antarctica and the other one was the Shark Tank one, or if they were both, or like if this is the Antarctica and the Shark Tank one is the same. Mm-hmm. But like there's also a scene in, oh, I think it's Inferno, which is the third Da Vinci Code book, where... Okay the lead character gets put into a coffin and drowned like he's dead and he's dead for a couple chapters. And then it's just like drains and it was like super fluid. I don't know. Sweet God. It's my, I paid money for them. I gave Dan Brown royalties. This is my own damn fault. You didn't buy them secondhand. I definitely paid money for Inferno because I bought it in an airport. All right. Um, We also gave Dan Brown money because we went and saw the da vinci code in theaters i remember being there yeah i rewatched it during quarantine and you know what it is actually a fun movie i didn't hate it i remember not hating it i remember also not loving it but like it was all right i enjoyed going to the movie theater and eating popcorn that day yeah (gasps) it doesn't like it's better than angels and demons and i don't think inferno ever got made into a movie and I'm thinking Inferno, again, like they're all blending together, but Inferno involved like an underground research facility with a wave pool. Maybe all Dan right. Brown just likes water. He might. He might. Um, all I can think about is the scene where Tom Hanks cuts himself on a razor and it makes a cross. 
his blood makes across the sink. I like like shit like that for some reason. And that's what sticks out. Of all the things that stick out from the Da Vinci Code to me, that's the thing I remember. What the hell? I think for me it was that he was like, I stay fit and trim by swimming an hour a day. And I'm like, dude, he I does love water. Hours. Hours per day. And I never lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you don't have his metabolism. Or I am shit. not a dumpy 40-some-odd professor of oddities that women throw themselves at, no. <laughs> uh, what a shame that you're not, Donna. Uh, there's nothing I love more than the avatars of authors in their crappy commercial books, where it's just like, you know... He was 40, slightly balding, always wore sweaters, and it smelled vaguely of hamster cages. She boobed boobly against him. <laughs> no fucking shit. Ugh. Get out of here, Dan Brown. Um, okay, so I was debating whether or not I was going to go down this rabbit hole, but I want to. I want to, and I feel like it's lightened with, with the... <laughs> The, the advent of Dan Brown. We've lightened enough where I can do this and not feel bad about tone. <laughs> like, just like tone whiplash. Yesterday, I got a text from Donna and she was like, hey, we're trying to like um, debate the artistic merit of Sailor Moon. <laughs> can you give me six episodes that we should watch? And listen, listen, I was just like, Donna, hold my beer. Um, I... She Silva pepeed me, or Pepe Silva me. What the fuck does that mean? Explain that. You sent me that screen oh, cap yeah. from Always Sunny in Philadelphia when he's got all the. You, you can post it to the show notes. But I will. Plot is like he can't read, and so he's like, "Who's Pepe Silva? Who's Pepe Silva in Pennsylvania?" Okay, listen. I've just seen that photo of the man. I didn't know who he was. I just know he's a meme. And so- that photo and sent you that. <laughs> I put pictures of Sailor Moon on the wall. Listen, I was like, where's my conspiracy yarn? Um, <laughs> There's also like a David Duchovny video that does that, where he's like, let me get out my conspiracy yarn. Um, So I have like a lot of feelings and a lot of things that I like. I love Sailor Moon. I don't know how much the podcast knows this, but you're about to know it. Uh, I Okay, Donna, you said that you're discussing the artistic merits of Sailor Moon. What, were, what was said? I know you, I asked you this and didn't give me an answer. Other we than just wanted were... a six episode primer. Okay, I, that's different I, than the artistic merits of Sailor Moon because like I have to know how deep I need to go and what I need to do to like, like, what is my criteria? What are the points that I need to convey? Cause I can, there's 200 episodes plus three movies and two specials. <laughs> so this was just a, this was a side conversation. Cause we were talking about the Simpsons and like having a Simpsons party where everybody brings their essential Simpsons episode. Mine ah. is only moved twice, which is the Hank Scorpio episode. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And my partner's is the one where Homer eats the watermelon insanity pepper and then ha- has like a spirit quest in the desert with Johnny Cash. <laughs> there. Fuck. I got to think long and hard about what mine is. 
Huh. I know because I took the best one. <laughs> well, no, I don't think it would have been that one. I think Paul's is the Sideshow Bob one. <clears throat> the Kate Beer one? Potentially, I'm not sure. He he has a lot of love for all of the Sideshow Bob moments. What would mine be? We are currently like rewatching The Simpsons too. Um, uh, come back to me. Come back to me. I will. <laughs> I'll come up with this at some point. Yeah. So then I don't quite remember how we got onto the topic of Sailor Moon. Uh, Sabine said something grim, and I said that she would be Sailor Pluto, and then <laughs> it went onto this tangent. She has a friend who has this really beautiful Sailor Mercury tattoo, like mid transformation, with the ribbons going around her. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we were just further talking about Sailor Moon. And I was like, I watched the English dubs on YTV as a kid. Like, I, I'm no Jacqueline. And then we were like, Jacqueline, make us a primer. I see. Okay. Okay. Listen. So, and I said this in the text, but I have to reiterate this. <clears throat> it's not easy to do a Sailor Moon primer. Because like I said, there are 200 episodes. Each season, there's five seasons. Each season has its own arc. And so to really grasp the episodes, I can basically, I can cut shit down to about 80, I think. I've done a list of episodes that are like the essentials for at least season one, because I was going to try to get our friend Jen to watch it and to do it, to make this as engaging as possible for her, because I wanted to share this thing that is like the core of who I am is Sailor Moon. We talk about the X-Files a lot, but like the secret is Sailor Moon made me who I am. <laughs> I I was going to, I, I took a poster board and I drew this lovely map that is similar to like a mobile game, like Candy Crush, you know, how all the levels are on like a winding road. I made this thing and I cut out, I made stickers um, and there were achievements. There were specific achievements as we watched the episodes. It was going to be like, oh, we've had this moment and we could put a fucking sticker on the path because this is like literally I put so much effort into this. We never actually did the watch through, but like it was literally a map. And like I because I in my spare time draw and I draw like I learned how to draw because I was drawing Sailor Moon characters. So it was like designed to really move you through the plot of the first season. <laughs> so like, Donna, can I do this for you? And I don't okay. know. Now I'm kind of like, man, man, I don't know what I did. I should know better. I should have known better. I don't know how you didn't. You unleashed a I fucking liar. Maria. I should have texted Maria instead. Maria, Maria, I love you, but you don't know shit about Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh one of our my friend paul who uh what got me into game of thrones because i actually didn't know anything about game of thrones i thought it was just set in history and mm-hmm. i said that to him and i was like oh i don't like watching historical fiction he's like what the hell donna <laughs> <laughs> oh that's amazing so then he came over and we that we watched it and he we could just pause because i'd be like why can this guy read and he's like a this is a different universe this is westeros b Tyrion's a member of the nobility of course he can read 
and like having the pause breaks really got me into Game of Thrones. Mm. And, uh, and, and that was very helpful. I feel like with pause breaks with you, watching Sailor Moon would be like a year long endeavor. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. It could be. Um, okay. 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 So let me tell Okay. Each season has its own arc and is very important, but specifically, I think that I'd need the opportunity to just, there's three seasons that I think are important, like actually fucking important, which is the first season and then the third season and then the fifth season. And I think if you let me have free range with these, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make you watch a lot, a lot, but I'd get you the salient points because I think there's something very essential about the series that happens in season three that like is important so that you understand the gravity of the show. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I, yeah, it's, it, there is the depth to Sailor Moon that I would love to share with you. Okay, I'm a little afraid. I am so afraid. <laughs> Speaking of, like, you guys should have seen this. As soon as she started talking about Sailor Moon, Jacqueline, like, zoomed up to the camera. <laughs> <laughs> like the ghost from Paranormal Activity, just like, whoa, let me talk to you about Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I've spent so much time thinking about Sailor Moon. Okay, here's my other, like, uh, it's it's... It's because trauma. <laughs> it's because trauma. And like the other thing is I, I must caveat it with because of the placeholder it has in my life. Um, I probably can't see it objectively. <laughs> it's the other thing. I'm like, this is so fucking brilliant, but I can't not see it that way because it it actually allowed me to we're gonna get real. It allowed me to stay alive. Um, so because like Sailor Moon was the thing that kept me afloat, I, it, it parallels something in my life about giving up your life in service for something else. And it would have allowed me who wasn't allowed to like develop a personality of my own. I had to be something. It allowed me to feel like maybe that giving up of the thing was for the greater good. Because I really, at one point, was waiting for my little talking cat with a crescent moon on its head to show up and hand me a wand. Um, <clears throat> so, like, literally, it has this very, like, this saved me because I needed something. Um, but at the same time, I thought a lot about each individual character. <laughs> a lot a lot about it there's just so much in my head um did you know that there, there's a live action sailor moon that's like sailor moon crossed with po power rangers didn't they yeah like some is power rangers using old sailor moon costumes or vice versa it's the reverse so a lot of like the um uh, the enemies were like old costumes um it's actually, honestly, if you're going to watch something, um, <clears throat> the live action Sailor Moon with the subtitles is is a legitimate 
good time. They they have taken so much care in writing these characters that they like do do the fucking it's very different than the original story, but they do it they honor it and it's just so well done and you can tell that the people that wrote this really gave a shit about each of these individual girls and that doesn't happen in every telling of Sailor Moon because there's been a bunch of iterations now and like even the source material only gave a shit about Sailor Moon herself and then Tuxedo Mask and their daughter speaking of like the author that uh inserts themselves Neko Takuchi Takuchi I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, she for sure inserted herself as Sailor Moon and then kind of had these auxiliary characters that didn't do anything. But then the anime took it and gave them real life and character development. And then so did the live action version. And they're nuanced and they're beautiful. And there's just something so profound but maybe it's only profound to me. I don't know. So we can do this and find out. I, this kind of, so talking about the, like going to the Harry Potter universe and I'm like, dude, there's a genocide, mm-hmm. which yeah, like that is that segment of the Harry Potter universe for everything that JK Rowling has done since and to ruin my teenagehood. Cause I think this probably yes. came out when I was working at the library. Mm-hmm. Um, created in a magical universe and there is a lot of you're a lonely kid portal mm-hmm. fantasy is, is your jam like i love narnia even though it was super jesusy but that idea <laughs> of like I'm, I'm a lonely weird kid who reads a lot and yeah. the idea of just going through your wardrobe and having this magical land waiting for you is hugely seductive and i can totally see how kids read Harry Potter and they're like, I want to go to Hogwarts. I want to have a dorm where all my friends are. And I want to know, like, I'm going to have these friends for the next seven years. We're going to work at the Ministry of Magic together. Like, I mm-hmm. went from being a kid who's finding magic in a book to I want to be the kid finding magic in the magical world. Yeah. And I, I know portal fantasy kind of gets a bad rap because it is, it feels lazy in, a, in some ways, but I'm also like, that's the joy of it. Like you, you, you tap this brick in, I can't remember where it is in London, but you tap this brick and then you're on Diagon Alley right. or, and, and, and there's this idea of like belonging. And I think that's what so much children's fiction speaks to. And right. so much children's, like that's what you want when you're a kid, you want to feel like you belong. And Sailor Moon For definitely. Sure. The, the female friendships, like the friendships in Sailor Moon were really yes. what's me. Yes, absolutely. Like stories about friendship. Um, like I don't care about romance, except that one time I was a shipper of Mulder and Scully. And I like, honestly, I fucking ugly cry at so many points during Sailor Moon. Like so much. Um, because the friendship, it's always the friendship that fucking gets me. It gets me good. So, yeah, um, I would like to add a little spoiler for our audience to hear um, in season one of Sailor Moon with the barrel battle. If you grew up watching the YTV version, you actually didn't see the full fucking thing. Um, everybody dies, man. Everybody dies and they die pretty brutally in Japan. 
the kids who watched this were depressed. Like there was an actual like reaction in all of Japan. There was like a phenomenon. Japan doesn't fuck around. Like, yeah, no. But like, I feel kids, like children's stories in Japan are very, very weird. Um, yeah, no, they like for real. They they fucking die, and there was like this phenomenon where all these five year olds were super depressed for weeks, and like their parents were like, "What the hell's the matter?" They took them to the doctors, and they talk about seeing their friends dying on TV. Right, like it <sighs> fucked up a whole bunch of kids in Japan when that first aired. So like it is the emotional component of this series, I think, is like very substantial and you don't get that from like watching the watered down version in North America. So like, yeah. let me be your guide to the depth that is in within Sailor Moon. With that said, uh, a person's in my house is not Daryl. So <laughs> I think we should probably wrap her up. This has been a roller coaster of an episode. It truly has. We were so existential today. Like, who are we? Yeah. Are we motherfucking philosophers? Like, what is this dumb shit? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So you should visit DonnaJacklinePodcast.com and you will see all of our show notes. There will be that article about the robotics team um, in Afghanistan. And, and I'll, I'll look to see if there are any credible sources if you would like to donate. Um, yes. But I, I, I'll have to do some research, so I'll send you a link later. Beautiful. Uh, the show notes will also include that fucking crazy conspiracy yarn meme that I made about Sailor Moon, because of course it will. Um, so yeah, uh, visit us there, and I guess that's it. Hey. Yeah. Rah, rah. Thanks for coming Existential out. Existential crises. Okay, bye. Bye.